Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group. Our guest today is Anique Baudet, the Assistant Director at the Austin Transportation Department. Today we're going to be talking about um, the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan and kind of the background on it and updates on where we are with it. And so welcome to the show, Anique. Thank you. And we're in the heart of uh, your department's uh, your building. We're in the war room. So I know there's some activity and noise going around. And Austin's a busy city. So for our guests, just pardon some of the noise. But we're in the middle of the building. So it's very active right now. Transportation is happening as we speak. Yeah, that's right. Just a little bit in Austin. Trying to keep Austin moving. Yeah, and that's why we're here today. So before we get into uh, the ASMP, can we go into some of your background and your current role with the department and what brought you to Austin? Absolutely. Thanks for having me um, on your podcast. Uh, I've been with the city of Austin on and off for over 20 years doing both land use and transportation planning. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that a good land use plan is also a good transportation plan. So I feel fortunate that uh, I've worked in um, both areas in the city of Austin and to really bring that expertise to this initiative, which is the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan. Um, I have a geography degree focusing on urban geography from the University of Texas. And I am almost complete. I have one more semester to complete a master in public administration, which I've been working on over the last few years. Uh, My current role is, uh, again, assistant director um, for the transportation department, but I've worked in several different departments as well in the private sector. Um, I was a land development coordinator uh, for a local law firm Mm -hmm. um, for two years uh, back from 2004 through 2006. Um, So I have a, a taste of working both private and public. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, th- again, thank you for being on the show, and we're going to start just talking about the Strategic Mobility Plan and what it, what is that? I mean, the name kind of, I think, it gives it away, but what is that? Sure. What, what does that mean substantively? Yeah, so when Imagine Austin was adopted in 2012. Which is, which is what, Imagine our, Austin? Imagine Austin is the city's comprehensive plan, yes. which is required um, by our city charter, and it's required to have a transportation element. And so one of the action items in the in Imagine Austin was to go forth and create a strategic mobility plan. So the way I like to explain it is that Imagine Austin set the 100,000 foot view of a transportation vision for Austin and the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan is taking that down to a 50,000 foot view. What more particularly do we need to do in order to reach the vision as outlined in Imagine Austin? Mm-hmm. And Uh, We've been working on this project for a little over two years and we're in the final um, sprint to the finish and it's really exciting. I will note that while the strategic mobility plan is that 50,000 foot view of bringing that vision to fruition, we have individual mode plans. The city of Austin has seen um, a bicycle master plan adopted in the last decade, a sidewalk master plan adopted in the last decade, an urban transportation plan adopted uh, and those are all 10,000 foot view of mm-hmm. those specific systems. So this is really to have a to use a housing um, moniker, the missing middle yes. for transportation <laughs> policy. Okay. So just so this would weave all those plans together. It was, was going to be a question of mine anyway, just given, you know, the city doesn't stop and um, I, I'm, I'm very well aware of all these, you know, kind of plans that have come off the shelf sometimes and are re reintegrated. And so this 
the uh, this current plan would merge or at least would weave all those together? Absolutely. Okay. What we've been saying, it's a planning level analysis so that we have more complementary modes and options for Austinites moving around and not competing modes for space. So we've tried the best that we can to maximize the systems um, to work together and so that we can have a head start in how we plan projects. Mm -hmm. Because we in the urban in the urban core we have always a competition for space. Um, and how do we have all these systems working um, in a constrained environment? And so we've done that planning level review. So again, so we can have complementary systems um, and not competing systems. My systems were talking about modes of transit, so uh, buses, rail, uh, bikes. bikes, everything else. Pedestrian, Pedestrian. and scooters, our vehicular network, are, micromobility, <laughs> micro absolutely. Okay that's, the, uh, okay, that's the good term, yeah. Yeah, that's the new industry term yeah. is micromobility. So you're absolutely right. The transportation network is made up of individual systems, and that's really a point we're trying to educate the public um, with with this plan as well, that there are multiple systems that make up the entire transportation network. And that's important because a variety of options help people get places both affordably um, and more reliably depending on the mode. And if you can if you can move between modes, it helps your pocketbook, but it also helps your reliability. Mm -hmm. um, on the on the on the back to the scooter part, did this plan I mean is there enough flexibility pulling it back, given that scooters Two years ago, were a thing. I don't think dockless bike. I mean, we had the B cycle, but dockless bike share wasn't around two Correct. years ago. Correct. We had bike as, share as for a, a while. thing. As micro mm -hmm. micro mobility as a term wasn't around two years ago. Um, is is this current plan? Does it is it is it baked? Is a is flexibility baked in yes. to incorporate modes of transit that we just two years from now, all of a sudden, it's a thing that we wouldn't even thought about right now we in the show. We try to anticipate what might be coming, although I don't have a crystal ball. If I yeah. did, I'd probably be employed somewhere else. Yeah. We're just things that are based on yeah. what you're seeing Absolutely. at conferences, what your colleagues are seeing, I mean, we're bringing, maybe in other countries. Already. One, of the, one of the monikers um, at the inception of the idea to, to go forward with this plan um, was to bring our transportation uh, vision into the 21st century. So by going to conferences and learning all that we've been doing, and we are a leading city uh, in innovation in a lot of different areas, not just mobility, that is absolutely reflected in the plan. So we've maintained, uh, we've teed up policies and action items based on best practice, industry practice in that area as we know it today, but tried to maintain the openness so that we uh, don't need to amend the plan in the future if new things, as you as you say, mm -hmm. um, come aboard that we can't envision now. You know, yeah. jetpacks, whatever they might be. I mean, pods. It's just you know, again, like I was, I was talking to a friend yesterday about this. Two years ago, scooters weren't a thing, right? And then, so what is coming next? And then, you know, just you know, I know we, I've talked to your, your colleague Jason John Michael about that, and there are just things you know, other cities, major cities around the globe, are already have have things we consider futuristic here, and so yeah. it's. We, uh, along those lines, just getting back to the process to create the plan, you know, of course, Austin does planning well. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. Uh, we do implementation well, too. Um, but we have a plethora of plans that the team creating the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan reviewed in order to roll up into this mid-level policy. And one of those was the Smart Mobility Roadmap that the Austin Transportation Department produced a little over a year ago. And it was uh, it helped to really inform 
the policies in there related to micro-mobility and innovation in the transportation industry. Now, since that report, there has been even more information, and so we are at the cutting edge with publication of this plan in uh, hitting that, uh, you know, strides for um, what we need to say in order to be open to innovation. Yeah. Um, coming back to, so this has been a two-year to date, this has been a two-year process. Um, I've, I've been around City Hall in Austin enough to know there are people, no matter how long the process was, they'll act like it's a surprise to them. So can you go over the last two years, brief, you know, overview of the work that your team has put into this process, like just some of the, you know, we, I talked offline with some of your, your team about some of the different public outreach meetings you've had and on sure. the public uh, comment process online. But just so people, when to. this is finally finalized, understand that this is, this is been baking for a while and as many yeah. ways as your department could reach the public, you, you could, you did. And it was a lot, so I'm gonna to try to be as succinct but thorough mm -hmm. um, as possible. So we started our public engagement process with the year of mobility that was coined by our policymakers in 2016. And if folks remember, there was a huge effort called Mobility Talks, which was a huge citywide survey. And we were out saying that this survey and the results of the survey was going to be the first step in starting the planning process for the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan. So we started out the gate with a huge push community effort, community engagement effort. As we looked at designing the planning process, two things happened. We decided uh, it was necessary to do things different for different results with regards to who we were hearing from in the planning process. And we decided to focus our, our limited funding and resources, which is with every city project, whether it's construction or planning, on historically underrepresented communities. So mm. those included youth, seniors, people of color, and people with disabilities. So that was our focus. Uh, we did traditional uh, engagement as well citywide, but we, we had a focus on those populations and tried to really tailor our engagement activities towards reaching those folks and hearing those voices in the planning process. We have two reports from public engagement phase one and phase two that are on our website, www.austintexas. We'll include links in the show notes about those. Okay, great. For Thank sure. You. Yeah, all, the, all these information. Don't need to remember it. We'll, we'll link Fantastic. it up. So reports, and one thing I'll say is that as we were doing both phase, first phase one and phase two of public engagement, we were acting in real time. We were trying to match who we heard from to the demographics of Austin in many different ways, both race, age, et cetera, by um, district, by zip code. And we would tailor all the options we had on where we could send staff and what kind of options were available based on where we were going to maximize um, equity in um, mirroring Austin's demographics with who we heard from. So it was a very rewarding planning process yeah. uh, in that way. Four phases of public engagement. Uh, we just finished phase three and phase four is our boards and commissions public hearings um, that are moving forward that are going to start February 28th with the mobility committee of the city council. So that was in a nutshell the Austin strategic mobility plan public engagement effort. Concurrent to that, we partnered with Capital Metro's Project Connect mm -hmm. public engagement effort. We shared uh, what we call a multimodal advisory committee, which we have our last meeting tonight, which is really exciting. I woke up this morning thinking like, wow, we've come so far, two, a little over two years in our planning process, and it was so successful. 
um, in sharing a committee because we didn't want planning fatigue in the community of having you know, the same people having to go to two separate meetings. And most importantly, this project is coordinated with CAP Metro's transit planning, so important. And in my 20 years of doing planning, I've never worked so hard on making and not just saying we're coordinating with other agencies, but actually rolling up the sleeves and doing it two, three meetings a week for two and a half years, planners, engineers in the room, really understanding what are both agencies doing, what are the needs of both agencies, and how do we complement each other. So rewarding, and it will be reflected in the outcome of the plan. Gotcha. And when, so it goes to mobility, mobility, mobility Committee later this month. Correct. What would be, and from there, would go to council? Boards and commissions Boards. Um, between, you know, planning commission or the land use commission, mm-hmm. zoning and planning as well. Environmental Commission, important to transportation as well. Um, the Bicycle Advisory um, uh, Council, as far as well as the Pedestrian Advisory Council, you know, different um, affiliated entities related to transportation. Of course, the Urban Transportation Commission mm-hmm. will be important. Those are the key boards and commissions. Um, and then to council, end of, we're, we're targeting end of March. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so, so yeah, a lot of public engagement, a lot of um, a lot of things we've been doing out with the community, and like I said, it's been really rewarding. And we we will we are sharing our public engagement uh, efforts and things we've done differently with other city departments to create, you know, a, a new way of looking at engagement. It's best practices. Involve exactly. Good. And so for those um, who may have missed the last two years of public engagement or just education, what this plan is going to be, there will be opportunities coming up at the board's commissions um, in, the near, in the near term to get, us, get a read on that. Yeah, we've been also engaged per the focus population with our uh, quality of life commissions, mm-hmm. all of them, and um, have presented several times the team um, to those commissions and uh, we'll be looking at also returning to them in um, this last phase. Okay. Um, Last question, are there any other upcoming uh, pol- or policy, policy initiatives um, ATD, ATD is looking at? I mean, this one's very comprehensive. Yeah. Are there any things that are maybe more near-term absolutely. or things that you think the public should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we learned, you know, the two macro parts of the planning process for this plan were public engagement, super important, and the technical analysis. So in the technical analysis, we learned early on in the process that uh, – Currently, 74% of Austinites drive alone to work during peak hour. And if you extrapolate that into the future, uh, it gets hard to move around. Uh, It's not ideal. With the population growth that's anticipated, we double our population every 20 years, and that's been proven. And so even um, with that, we started to say, okay, well, what, what mode share could be a motivation for this plan to best manage congestion. And it was 50-50, a balanced approach. In 2039, which is the horizon planning year for this plan to match Imagine Austin's Mm -hmm. horizon year, if we achieve a 50-50 mode share, meaning that 50% of us drive alone to work, because there's still gonna be a need to do that for many Austinites, but 50% of us can get around by walking, mostly bicycling, taking transit, um, ride share, taxi, and even avoiding the trip by teleworking or working mm-hmm. from home, that we start to really manage our congestion uh, into the future. 
And so that is the motivation uh, behind the plan. It's a really interesting statistic. I believe it's an ambitious yet realistic goal. If we're at 74% today, can we get to 50% um, by 2039? And uh, that is the motivation behind what you're gonna see as far as the policies, objectives, and uh, action items in the plan. Gotcha. And this, of course, definitely has land use implications to your tie-ins just with, sure. I know, in previous, like the near past, I mean, the term was, you know, transit-orientated communities and developments and kind of making those zones around um, more ready, ready access to modes, modes of travel, but also kind of, I don't say centralized communities, but communities where you have the live, work, play model, right, where you don't have to, because the biggest thing in Austin, right, everyone's coming downtown, state employees, city employees, police teachers, um, business folks. And so being able to be on telecommuting would be great. And I can do that sometimes too, but having the ability to zone out Austin a little bit, if you will, no pun, just to make it. Yeah, spread, spread the activities, activities across in, yeah. the city instead of having one major activity center. Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of not just from the private sector I've seen. I mean, you have areas of that popping up, like the domain and some areas in South Austin. But um, mm-hmm. I know that's something I, I hope the city looks at, not your department, but I think it's more of a probably planning department to look at how that was implemented in the council too. Yeah, land use, like I said earlier, you know, a good land use plan is also a good transportation plan, and so they have to work hand in hand. And, you know, to the extent uh, we are focusing on, this plan is focusing on improvements that support the Imagine Austin growth concept with regards to what you were just talking about, activity centers and corridors. That's really what we're looking at. And um, any... Um, investments that we make will go to support that growth concept and you know the land use uh, planning in the city is also and should be also uh, done with that in mind supporting the comprehensive plan growth comprehensive plan growth concept great yeah. well Nick, thank you for your time it's always sure. a pleasure I'd love to have you back on the show um, once yeah, the plans passed for and your interest in transportation it's, it's one of the top, <laughs> top issues in, in Austin yeah. right now and uh really pleased um, that this plan is moving forward. Um, one, of, one of the other last things I'll say is that uh, we really focused on access to opportunity. That's the other, in, in addition to bringing our transportation planning into the 21st century, which is what we talked about, trying to capture innovation and, and capture like what, what systems within the network do we need to develop to grow sustainably and also just manage the growth and the trips that we foresee in the future. Um, I just I think that looking at how our transportation network provides access to opportunity, which is jobs, healthcare, education, even open space, access to open space. So that was a big spatial analysis that we did that is also informing the plan and um, really a departure from how traditional transportation planning had been done. It's just not it's not about how you get from A to B fast. It's about can you get to A or B? Is yes. there a way to get to A to B? And, and can you do it affordably and reliably? Gotcha. So, yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you for your time. And we'll have you back on the show in the near term talk to talk about this and uh, as it's underway. Oh, one last thing. Yeah. Um, you had asked about any initiatives coming. Yes, coming, yes. And I, and I got sidetracked on that. But um, a street impact fee policy is another big initiative that we're working on. And it's important because it's an implementation tool to the roadway capacity projects that we've teed up with this Austin Strategic Mobility Plan. Um, This plan, like I was saying earlier, 
you know, we've done bicycle planning, we've done pedestrian planning, we've done trails planning um, really well, but not since the 95 Austin Metropolitan Area Transportation Plan have we really teed up the universe of roadway capacity projects. And we've done that with this plan. So there's a significant amount of strategically um, added roadway capacity um, that's here and a funding source for that is a street impact fee. So as soon as, and hopefully fingers crossed, the plan is adopted, we'll move into picking that initiative up. We've gotten about three quarters through the process that is um, illustrated or guided by the local um, government code on how to do impact fees by the, sta the state guidelines, regulations. And we will pick up after this initiative because we will have the universe of projects mm -hmm. hopefully adopted by council. And then we'll work on a policy as a funding source for those projects. So it's really a good order of operation to have this plan adopted and then move right into a new initiative that could provide a, a sustainable funding source for roadway capacity. I want to dig into that real quick too because for those who just don't come from the development world. Um, I mean, essentially, when you're building something, when I have a pro proposed project, I come to the city, community department, other departments, and you're, you're looking at how much added roadway capacity would this, on particular I mean, art, or arteries of Austin, would this development add, right, volume. And so based on that, there's a cost. Let me know if I'm wrong, that I, as a developer, that you assign a cost to what this extra capacity mitigation. is causing, mitigate, mitigation right. fee to offset that added volume and that's what this is about correct yeah it's okay. about it's about growth paying for growth it's gotcha. about it's but it's it's a it's a good way of doing it because it allows more transparency and predictability in the process which is good for everybody it's good for uh, residents to understand you know how um, new development uh, pays for the impact on the roadway network that comes with that and it's good for the developer and property owners to understand uh, what that will be in the future with regards to what they might have to do um, per a certain type of development. So really excited about that initiative. Um, as a new thing uh, right now, Fort Worth is the largest uh, Texas city that has impact fees. Um, and so we would become the second largest for transportation. We already use impact fees for our uh, water system. Mm -hmm. And so we're not immune to using impact fees, but uh, we haven't yet implemented them for transportation and that's what's coming next. Okay, we'll be on the lookout for that as well. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you for your time and we'll have you back on the show in the near term. Okay, All right. have a good day. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.